How's your trickings, Daniel? <laughs> well, uh, I actually broke my fast yesterday, so I can stop thinking about eating them. So that's that's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have a great few here. I will mute myself when I'm not talking. But uh, okay. yeah. So uh, otherwise, yeah, just happy to be eating again. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've been, I've done what you uh, suggested. So uh, every hour, I take five minutes, like at uh, a fixed time of the hour. So at the start of every hour, I take five minutes to uh, do uh, Anapanasati. Mm-hmm. Well, and, he- uh, even though you're in a completely different environment, the issue it would be the same because we are all caught in that frame of reference that we're supposed to do a good job. We're not supposed to screw it up. We're not supposed to make mistakes. Yeah. Yes. But that's a dangerous thing because if we're not supposed to make mistakes, then we think, oh, this was not a mistake. And if we have the idea this is not a mistake, then that means that we can't learn anything from it. Okay, and so um, there's there's quite a number of things in the suttas about this uh, with the understanding that if we are here to remove dukkha and come into a state of dukkha naroda, then the only way we can do that is by seeing things the way that they really are. And in this case, a screw up is a screw up. And that's OK. It's OK that this is a screw up because now I can be honest with myself about it being a screw up rather than being in a state of denial. And not only that, but then um, the worst part of it is, is that we will try to cover it up. If we don't want it to be a mistake, we'll kind of hide it or cover it up. And we'll we'll be um, the two poly words for this, by the way, is hairy and opata. Hairy and opata are two poly words that basically mean shame. Or uh, shyness or embarrassment is the hairy and the opata uh otop i think i'm pronouncing it wrong is actually the feeling of guilt for having done something wrong now guilt is a very much um more let us say for the meditator for ordinary people it's the worst because we got caught we tried to cover it up because we were shy and it got exposed anyway and so now we feel guilty for having been caught at what we're doing okay and so that's when people feel bad but for the for the practitioner of anapanasati that guilt is actually the motivating factor to fix things oh yeah definitely to fix that's what got me started (laughs) right and this this sequence will go on for for uh, cycles and cycles there is a third one and the third one we will call wisdom which means that we can see in advance that i'm about to screw up that's where the real learning comes in 
is to recognize that I'm about to screw up. And then I don't. And so this is where we're heading for. But if we uh, already have told ourselves, oh, I don't, I should not screw up. I'm not supposed to. We're already screwing up right then and there because we're worried about screwing up. And so if we can take that worry about screwing up out of it and say, it's okay to screw up. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to do it wrong because we can just call that, oh, that's just plan A and we've got plan B. Or we can think of it of, oh, let me look at this closely. This is a learning experience. Well, yeah. I, I can do that if it only is important for myself, but like, especially when I screw things up for other people, that, make, that makes it really difficult for me to uh to accept it or well actually in that regard screwing up for other people is probably not so much of an assignment or a task or something it's rather that when we're interfacing with someone interrelating with when and then then that's the possibility of the bad feelings then in fact generally um our, our behaviors, our actions, uh, even though they speak louder than words, the screw-ups will almost always happen when we're talking about it before we do it. Or just talking about it. Because why? Because We're talking about it because we already care about it, and because we're caring about it, we're going to go talk to people about it. And if they don't have the same opinion of of me when I care about it so much, I'm going to make them care about it too. And that's when we give them dukkha, is when we want other people to care about things as much as we do. Then in, in, in fact, um, uh, this gives rise to the, all of the problems that you find in society, uh, like uh, passing laws or hypocrisy or uh, the preacher telling the people in the congregation don't do this and don't do that while he's not capable of avoiding doing this and that and so then when he gets caught at it uh, the people want him to leave and don't want him to be their preacher anymore okay so this is the uh, the problem that we have in that so now we're defining it in two ways one is um, screwing up an object, an event, making mistake, driving accidents, any of that kind of stuff, which is a little bit different than talking to people. And generally, uh, the worry that we have is about not doing a good job, that we get um, confused about how to deal with with bosses that in fact i i normally when we talk about this with with students about the jobs i i mentioned that being friends with the boss is more important than doing a good job doing a good, yeah being friends yeah, with the boss 
is more important than doing a good job. Well, in the sense of keeping your job, I would agree. But in the sense of actually doing your job, that's debatable. Well, um, most of the work that's done in our society is irrelevant anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> it, it's irrelevant. Most jobs don't need to be done. The human race would be better off if about 90% of the things that are done in business just weren't done at all. What about okay. building computers so that you, you and I can speak? Well, um, for me, because I don't have any pressure on it, I can let a broken machine stay broken for a day or two because I don't care about it. <laughs> In the old days, I'd, every time something would go wrong, I'd have to fix it because I cared about it. Now I don't care anymore. And oftentimes the machines yeah. will fix themselves that I was confused. I thought something was wrong when in fact it was nothing wrong. It got on by itself. <laughs> and so that has then back to do with the caring. If we care about doing a good job, that will then mean that we are worried about it. And if we and if we don't care so much about it because it's okay to screw up or it's okay to leave things undone. That in fact, you're talking about computers. Most computers are left unused most of the time. Even a cell phone is used only part of the time. If people used a cell phone all the time, their life would be possibly quite miserable. And so the, the cell phone can remain unused. So how do you start not not caring? Like because I, I heard in your talks like about the survival instinct and like the caring ultimately comes from I have to do my work to get my food and everything. But mm -hmm. in the end, I'm going to survive anyways, even if I don't have the work. Like intellectually, it's pretty easy to see, but the feelings are still coming up and the thoughts and everything. So exactly how right. Okay, so that's an important point. I would say then that your the intellectual thing is the correct thing. That's almost always true. That the intellectual thing is correct and the way that we feel is incorrect because that's coming out of the past. We developed those feelings when we were children, when we were victims. So if you're dealing with the reality of the situation, then when those feelings come, we, we've got something on our side to deal with it. You know what that is that we've got on our side? Reality. Okay. We've got reality. <laughs> yes, we've got reality in the sense that you can start then talking to yourself about the reality in a nurturing way oh, you don't have to feel that way because the reality is, is that you're safe right now. So we don't have to invent dangers, uh, which we often do. If we feel afraid, then we have to figure out what we're afraid of. Right? 
if we feel fear, then we need to find out what it is that we're afraid of. And there we go down that rat hole of looking at this reel and looking at that reel, et cetera, like that, trying to find out where the problem is. And really, the, there is no problem. Reality is okay. The only issue that we have to deal with is the feelings. And that's, right. that's the point where it's getting hard because it feels like resistance, always like not believing yourself, like running into a wall in the sense of like, like it feels like such a big distance to achieve it instead of like just the moment and replacing it with a deep breath. So the deep breath doesn't work as I want it to be. <laughs> ah, but if you do, you see, if you do have the thought that, that the reality is, is that everything is okay at least in that moment of thought, you did feel okay. And then the feeling comes back. And so the right thing to do again is to remind ourselves again that everything is okay. And then the feeling of fear will come back and then we'll nourish it again. Everything is okay. All right. And so um, the way that I see that, uh, the example that I'm taking right now is the dogs who are barking. No, there's no problem. The guy who's coming is not a problem at all, but they're out barking. And if I yell at them one time, hey, shut up, no problem, then they'll stop. But then they'll start barking again. But this time when they're barking, it's not with such ferocity. Okay. And so I'll say something again. All right. But then uh, getting down to the puppy that she'll go woof and I'll say shut up and she'll wait a minute then or not a minute but two seconds and then you say woof again, you know. And she's testing me. All right. So in that relationship, we have also with the mind. That the mind can be full of fear, just woof, 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 woof. And we say, wait a minute, there's no problem here. Everything is okay. And the dog will stop the, uh, the the barking that we do inside will will stop for a second and then it'll start up again, but not with the same ferocity or um, but it it comes back. And instead of then just going with that, we can remember again everything is okay. And sometimes we have to get in that dialogue with the dog inside that barks and we say everything is all right be quiet and then it barks uh. again everything is all right be quiet and then it barks again but it doesn't keep barking but it barks long enough to get frustrated by it and then it quits because now we're out of the fear into frustration and so Can I ask a question about that uh-huh about the um it was, it's funny that you mentioned this because here at the monastery at the Wat, we also have a couple of dogs and sometimes i see the monks like correcting the dogs and like hitting them not really in a bad way just like a correction mm -hmm. but so do you also do that yes it's but part I, of the training and that when when ba when the human babies or children are trained, 
they already have learned a language that the dogs don't know. And so often when we're training the dogs, we have to train them in a language that they know. And one of the languages that they know, in fact, the right way to think about it is, is that dogs, like most animals that are draft animals or, or let us say at least mammals, we can use the carrot and the stick. Okay. And so yeah. to train a dog for a new uh task we can train it by giving it food you see in fact professional dog trainers they keep treats around all the time so that they if anything that the dog does that they like doing then they'll give that dog a treat right but a a, a regular person can actually treat the dog by giving him love but but the treat is the same thing and then there's also the stick and that we do also use the stick in training the mind. It's not just the nurturing of the mind, but even if that doesn't work, that there is actually parts in the sutta about five different ways to reflect upon all that kind of thought is dukkha. But if the thought keeps coming back, then there is the stick that we can use on our own mind. And that stick then the Buddha talks about it in the sense of putting your tongue to the roof of the mouth and clenching your teeth and demanding that you think about something else. Well, guess what? When you're paying attention to things like clenching your teeth and putting your tongue at the roof of the mouth and pushing to get that thought out while you're doing that, that thought couldn't possibly cohabitate with all that tongue pushing and the teeth clenching. Okay. Yeah. And when you stop doing the teeth clenching and stop doing the tongue at the roof of the mouth, then the thought may come back again. <laughs> That's just how yeah. they are. And if it does, then we can do that little thing again. The but, point is, is that if we're going to be training the mind, we need to be persistent and that most of the time we're going to use the carrot. The carrot is the right way to do it most of the time. And that is to nurture the mind to present that this reality is okay. Everything is all right. There's no reason to be afraid. And so this is when we can bring the breath in to take a couple of deep breaths and just relax. Because whatever it was that we had on our mind is not that important because it's not that dangerous. It's not fatal. Sometimes things are fatal. Like standing in the middle of a freeway, that could be fatal. <laughs> we need to stay out of really dangerous situations, but now that we know, like for each one of you, are in a safe, secure environment. Why do these thoughts that bring on fear and jobs to do come up? When there's really, the reality is, is that we're safe. The answer to that is, is that it's an old habits, an old program. And so if we let that habit run, if we, if we let ourselves worry, then we're just reinforcing that old habit. But the way that we're practicing is, is to break it up. When we see 
those thoughts as unwholesome, that should be enough for us to abandon them. Because we don't care about unwholesome things anymore, and we don't care about being in unwholesome states, but we do care about something that's wholesome, that in fact, that's something that's important for us to also recognize that some things are worth attaching to. That in fact, the Buddha talks about it, and um, uh, there's a sutta by the name of One Fortunate Attachment. And uh, it's number 131 in the Nakaya, where he's actually talking about that one of the things that's really worth uh, holding on to and clinging to is this present moment. (laughs) Another thing that's worth holding to and clinging to and becoming enthusiastic is about the Dhamma. So in this regard, we're thinking, oh, we can actually extend that to wholesome things. Once something is wholesome, it's okay to um, attach or to cling to it so long as it remains wholesome. In the example of the Dhamma, when we're thinking about the Dhamma, we're applying the Dhamma to this present moment, but we can also try to apply the Dhamma to other people by telling them what to do, and we wind up being hypocrites ourselves. We give other people <laughs> orders to do what I should be doing right now. Oh, that's recognizable. All right. So uh, in that regard, then whatever we're clinging to that's wholesome is no longer the issue because now we're trying to be the boss and order other people around. So this is basically when we're talking about clinging to the wholesome, we're talking about within one's own mind. Within one's own mind, not that we're trying to get other people to do the right thing, it's that there are some things that are worth holding on to, becoming enthusiastic about. That in fact, the Dhamma is something that really is worth hanging on to. And so when we recognize, oh, I can choose what I care about, that I couldn't choose what I cared about because I got in the habit of caring about stuff when I was younger. But I'm not young anymore. Now I'm a grown up and I can choose to care about the things that I want to care about. That's the reality of the situation. So always, Marcel, reality trumps bad feelings. Okay. Reality trumps bad feelings, but sometimes you have to trump it over and over and over again. It's going to be a long card game. But yeah. always, <laughs> but always, reality trumps bad feelings. Okay. Um, I'd like to go back, so, like to to the Daniel. Go, go ahead, ahead, Marcel. Okay. <laughs> um, to to the dogs and the sticks example. Like, when do I know which sort? Or which situation needs a uh, carrot and stick? Which situation needs a carrot and which situation needs a stick? For example, the work thing is like sometimes I dream about it and I notice the first thought in the morning is work and like doing this and having to do that. Is this like a stick situation, like piss off, or is it like it's okay you are here, but reality is different? Well, 
actually there are several ways to approach that. One of the ways of saying is, is that the stick is the last resort. That it's carrot, 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 at least four carrots in a row before we use the stick. Okay. Okay. Now, the uh, the stick actually has a, um, a sutta about it. It's called the cow herd. Uh, and the story is, is that this cow herd now, um, uh, not not like the rodeo or the cattle drive where you've got a few cowboys on a few horses rounding up herding hundreds of cattle, but rather this is the time of the Buddha where this guy maybe had a half a dozen or so cows. That was his life. And every morning he takes them out and goes down a pathway to the place where he knows that they can graze. But along the path is a, um, a village or an outcrop of, of humans that have some houses and they have their food stalls and the kids are around and whatnot like that. And if he lets those cows run amok in that village, they're going to be unhappy with him. Maybe want to give to take one of his cows for the damage that the cow has done, something like that. And so he's got a job to do to make sure that the cows get through the village without doing any damage. And so he has a stick and he and he is walking in and among the cows. He's right there with them. And if a cow tries to get a carrot off of a table or something like that, he'll whack that cow with that stick. Right? This is the reality of it. Okay? That you got to get the cow's attention by whacking them. If you just rub their back a little bit and says, oh, don't eat that carrot, the cow's going to be munching on that carrot, right? And so the cow herd has to whack the carrot or whack the, uh, the cow to keep them in line. Now, once the cows have passed through the village and are out in the pasture, the cow herd does not have to stand with the cows anymore whacking them. Now he can relax. In fact, he can go sit under a tree and let the cows graze by themselves. And this, by the way, is uh, uh, a story that's in Sutta number 19 in the Majjhima Nikaya. And the name of the, the Sutta is Two Kinds of Thoughts. Okay, so now that the cow herd has the cows out in the pasture, he doesn't have to work so hard to keep them wholesome because they're eating wholesome now. But when he was in the village, he had to guard them. Mm -hmm. He had to guard them, 